You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Yes. Good day, everybody. This is the FanRag Fantasy Sports. I'm not a Fino sitting for Al Melchior. Here's always your constant Jim Finch. Jim, what's happening, man? Uh, not much. Hanging in there. Just making sure this is like the actual Nando and not like Nando's beard or Nando's button or any of those <laughs> other guys I see on Twitter. I'm not getting punked, right? No, man. This is those. I, I still have no idea who those people are. Uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's flattering and scary at the same time, but I'll take it. There you go. Yeah. You're famous. I know. It's, uh, you should be so honored. Al should be so lucky that I found an hour out of my day to do this for him. <laughs> so, Jim, uh, I want to jump right into it, man. Like, we've actually never met before. I mean, I follow you on Twitter. Um, enjoy your stuff. I read your stuff, uh, both on Fantasy Assembly and FanRag. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I got to say, I'm, um, I'm the same fan. I followed you since your days at CBS, so I've been following you as long as well. Oh, well, shucks. L- let me ask you a question, man. People call me Nando. Uh, nails on the chalkboard. When you get uh, Sid Finch and Jenny Finch questions, same kind of thing. I actually don't get them. I just that's just my little personal thing I put up there. Oh no! I, you know what? I, I was actually this- I discovered that I, I was reading the bio uh, today, and uh, I, I didn't like. I was thinking of that as my lead before. Like I just if you got the last name Finch, I assume that you you would get it a lot. But no, I don't get any of that. I mean, I got the Sid Finch. Back when I was in high school, when that whole thing came out, but other than that, you don't really hear. I don't really hear those two names associated with me. Sadly. All right. Well, maybe that's a good thing. I think it would drive me crazy if everyone always asked me those questions. And you gotta say no. You know, just the same last name. Anyway, enough. No, I'll take credit for Sid Finch. He's my long lost cousin. All right, there we go. We're both fictional characters. <laughs> it works. So, uh, so I, I guess I don't know if. I might selfishly consider this the biggest news of the day because I had a lot of stock in Jorge Soler uh, messing up his oblique. When I heard the news, I immediately thought Peter O'Brien and then saw, you know, in Roto World, obviously, Peter O'Brien was sent down to AAA. Um, Were you into Soler at all this season? Not at all. I mean, I... When players switch teams, you kind of hope maybe to change the scenery will do something for him, but I wasn't really that high on him to begin with. He's basically become one of these players that you need to really actually show me something consistent over a few months before I'm going to actually kind of jump into you. Do you I mean, I, I read your, uh, your article. We're going to get into that in a little bit, the highs and lows from spring training, because I thought it was brilliant, uh, the research that goes into just kind of looking all that stuff up and, and playing out the roles and stuff. Um, but Solera, you know, we, now that we know he has an oblique issue, and you're looking at spring training stats... Is that, you know, you can say, oh, well, maybe he, he was not good because he was dealing with this issue for, for a long time. And, you know, there's at least a little silver lining to this happening. Uh, maybe a silver lining, but not that much. Yeah, maybe like a copper lining on that one. Uh, Jim, give I me mean, something he here, man. <laughs> Come on. I, I can't. We started I'm not off so well. I mean, he. I wasn't really a big fan of him in Chicago. I had high hopes when he came up. He didn't really show anything, and I kept waiting and waiting. He's sort of like a... I basically put him in with uh, Yasiel Puig at this point. Oh. As a uh, player that I, someone that 
I'll look at. Maybe if he does something, I'll show him con- some consideration. But until he does, he's just that big name on the waiver wire that people will snatch up going, oh, maybe this guy can do something. Or I'll draft him late figure and he can do something. But he's just going to end up disappointing. How about if I pose it this way? Um, if, let's say, well, obviously Soler's going to be out for a little bit at the start of the season. But let's say by May 31st, uh, you know, Puig slash Soler are hitting uh, 313 with seven home runs. Are you jumping all over them and being like, these two have finally figured it out and they're going to carry it through to the rest of the season and possibly the next eight years? Or are you still kind of exercising caution and saying, you know, let's see what they're doing at the All-Star break kind of thing? Um, basically, I'm going to treat them like I would any other no-name guy that gets called up from AAA and all of a sudden puts up big numbers. Yeah, I'm going to pick him up. I'm going to ride the wave. But the minute I start seeing trouble, he's going to go to my bench. I'll keep an eye on him. And if he shows me trouble over two or three weeks, then, yeah, back to the waiver wire with you. I'm done. All right. See, I'm the opposite way. I, I'm like, I, I see these guys, and I'm, I'm just ready and waiting for them to break out. I, I feel like there's just a switch that needs to be flipped. Uh, and maybe that's my problem. I have a big heart. I have a big fantasy heart. Jason Hayward's another one of those guys. He's another one of those big-name guys that we just keep expecting more and more out of him. And at this point, he is what he is. I mean, he's not as bad as those two, fantasy-wise. Maybe as like a fourth or a fifth outfielder in a deeper league. But he, at this point, he's just a name. See, I feel like, you know, Hayward has had enough uh, shots and enough looks. And Puig has to a degree, too. Solaire, I mean, he, you know, he, he came up hard and fast, had that one crazy spring training, I think I want to say it was 2014, 2013, maybe. Uh, and then, came, you know, got some injuries along the way, had spotty playing time. I was kind of looking forward to him getting a full-time role this year and just seeing if he could pop 20 home runs and hit, you know, 270. Uh, so the oblique thing really crushed me. It was a crushing blow at about 1 o'clock today for me. But maybe not for you. You're dancing on his grave. No, no well, I'm not dancing on his grave, but, you know, it's just one of those things you read and go, yeah, whatever, and you shrug your shoulders and you <laughs> move along. All right, let's, you know, uh, also featured on Roto World today, uh, Raul Modesty got the job. And I'm not, I'm not going down Roto World. I just, this is how, you know, Kansas City news, Raul Mondesi gets a starting second base job. Um, A.L. Tout, he was one of the last middle infielders taken during the auction. Uh, and I had saved, you know, $4, and I think he went for 5 Something like, just out of reach. Um, you know, the, he's got the name. He has the top prospect status, but he hasn't put up the numbers thus far. I mean, if you just looked at him as player X and you check out his baseball reference minor league numbers, I mean, maybe we're looking at a guy who, look, yeah, he's still young, but he hasn't hit the double digits home runs yet. Um, has some stolen bases. Average is, is not crazy. Not like that, that. You know, the 19 year old who hits 300. Um, he's got some low, you know, 260, 250 ish looks there. Are you? Uh, I mean, are you going to get the shiny new toy? Or are you kind of cautioning people to stay away? I'm not going to caution him to stay away, but second base is so deep that he's somebody that I may pick up and put on my bench to keep an eye on. I mean, I like the speed. His numbers in in the minor league, they're not, like you said, they're not that fantastic. They're not that eye-popping, but he does have a nice pedigree to him to where he could add some power in the future. The speed is nice. I'm actually surprised he get, won the job over uh, with Merrifield. Yeah, I was. that's why, I mean, I, I, I had him scribbled in for my reserve. Like, I was going to, I had Joey Gallo, number one reserve, and then I had Mondesi, the second guy on there, and he went in the auction. Um, you know how those things go, it's AL only, people get kind of, you know, let's just take a shot. And the shot pays off a day later, but is is there a hope that you know he's just nineteen, twenty years old, and this you know this power is developing, and maybe he'll crank out like fifteen in a full season with Kansas City this year? 
I don't know about 15. I can. He might reach. I figure maybe eight to ten. He could get this year if he gets lucky. He gets off to a hot start. I think he's going to be more of a batting average speed option for this year, and the power will develop over the next couple of years. But this year, as long as he's able to hit for average and give you speed for an American League only league, yeah, he's definitely worth a shot. Mixed league, not too uh, not too high on him, but for American League only, definitely worth a shot. Jim, I'm starting to feel like. Um... I'm that helium balloon that keeps floating away, and you're just grabbing the string and, and pulling me back down. We make a very good combination here. So you think, uh, I don't know, 70 home runs for Ul Mondesi this year? No? <laughs> um, okay, so Mondesi, we're just, would you rather have Mondesi or Tyler Saladino on your team right now? If you're in the doldrums, you're at the end of, you know, the end of an A-only draft, Saladino looking like Yohan Moncada could come up at any time and take his job. Mondesi, who knows what we get from him. Which, which way would you rather go with a player right now? Oh, I'm. that's a tough one. I'd probably lean toward Saladino just because I think he'll actually put up the better line. I like Mondesi better for long term, but uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm I mean, probably this, going is, this is a question even, like... Even if, even if Moncada... Even if Moncato does come up, they, he can go in so many positions. They could possibly trade Todd Frazier. He, they could uh, move Saladino over to sh- shortstop. I mean, uh, who's that, Tim Anderson? Yeah. Am I confusing teams here? No, you're right. Okay. I mean, he's not the healthiest person in the world, so you got opportunities there. I mean, there's more opportuni- There's more places for uh, Moncato to go if they do decide to call him up to where I don't think it would affect Saladino's playing time. So I would probably take him just for the stable numbers. But Mondesi, I don't rule him out as a breakout player. I don't count on him, but he's somebody I like. All right. Um, you know, just staying as deep as, as possible in the American League Central, uh, Jose Barrios was sent down. Uh, but I think this is this is kind of thing where you read the headline, you panic, and a lot of people push him down the rankings. But in reality, it's because he didn't get a lot of innings because he was out pitching for quote unquote pitching for Puerto Rico. Uh, barely, you know, didn't didn't get his work in. They're going to send him the minors. What I think to start the season, and then probably just call him up. You know, I think by May first, Jose Barrios will be pitching well for the Twins. Uh, do you see this as a way to kind of exploit people possibly not paying as much attention as they should to the you know the, the sub headlines and the text of a story and just freaking out over the headline and the news item? Yeah, most likely. I mean, last uh, they look at his numbers from last year. I know this is one of the reasons he got pushed down, and they look at his, that his uh, call-up and the numbers that he put up, and everyone was like, yeah, this guy's not going to do it, and they move on, like you said, to the next new shiny toy. But he's a, he was very unlucky last year with the Bapit and the Strand rate to where he should have been, his ERA should have been like in a four range. He had some bad luck in there, and he's a lot better than what he's already shown. So the fact that he's been sent down already – Combined with the bad numbers from last year, that just creates a great buying opportunity, buy low opportunity for all the other people out there are looking for that late round pitching sleeper that they can plug in there around May, June, and have a solid pitcher for like the final three months. I mean, that's when you're really looking for pitchers anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, if you, if you go through, and I don't know if this is just naive of me, but when I when I learn of a player my first step is i i want to go to his minor league stats go right to baseball and just take a look at what he did and if he was you know a did he have awesome numbers b were they somewhat consistent and if you look at what barrios did in the minor leagues it's pretty i mean 2.89 era 
with 500 plus innings under his belt. Uh, K per nine of 9.6 throughout that. Uh, you know, topping out at 10, but he had some nines in there. Career whip of 1.10 in the minor leagues. Um, that's like, those are jump at you and grab you numbers. And like you said, I think a lot of people are going to just get caught up in what he did last year with the 8 plus ERA and totally miss what he did in the minors, which was kind of insane. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I mean, it's gotten to the point to when it basically goes back to Mike Trout. Mike Trout came up, he had a little bit of struggles, and all of a sudden he broke out. And now everyone just looks at these players when they come up, and they just expect them to perform like right off the bat. And when they don't do it, especially when it comes to a pitcher, they just move on to the next guy going, oh, look at the numbers this guy's putting up. I think it's uh, last year was uh, Urias. From the Dodgers, yes. everyone was looking at him going, oh, this guy's the next big thing. Well, what happened to the next big thing that you had like three months ago? I mean, you don't just toss him aside and forget about him. Short attention spans, man. There's a problem with fantasy that we like to exploit here. At least I do. Yeah, that's why I like my home league still. I mean, I like playing with some of the industry guys, but I have my one home league that's a bunch bunch of my friends. you got a few people in there that know what they're doing, and then the other, like, six or seven owners, it's like, yeah, I'm going to take advantage of you. Yeah, I get that. Some of my later, you know, who is Jose Barrios? I'm like, don't worry about it. Let's just get on to the next round. Um, Joe Nathan, I, I wanted to bring this up. You know, I'm just, this is just a, a the topics we're going to be talking about today. First of all, obviously, we're going to get into Jim's, uh, Jim's column. But, you know, over the weekend, we had Tao Wars. I did NFBC um, and obviously just a lot of reading and the news and stuff like that. I was finishing off a draft Champions League this weekend, too. And in round 48, you know, Joe Nathan's still sitting there. And he's still alive in Washington. And Washington can't seem to settle on a closer. And, you know, the manager's Dusty Baker. You, know, you just go through all this stuff. Um, I don't know, Jim. There's just something in the 48th round of an NFB, I'm sorry, Draft Champions League where Joe Nathan's sitting there and you're like, why don't I just take the shot? Maybe he'll get me 10 saves. Um, there's also a shot that, you know, as you're listening to the show, he's being released by the Nationals. But do you think there's any shot that Joe Nathan can somehow find his way into like five saves this year? Yeah, but he was released. I mean, how do you see him figuring the five saves? You think he's going to catch on someplace else? I think, I'm thinking they'll go back to a minor league contract with him, let him go to Syracuse. They've done this before with some veterans. Um, and I cannot remember the guy's name right now. Uh, big dude uh, from Edgewater, New Jersey. Uh, and he was, he was there when Strasburg and Storn were coming up. And I think it was more of like a fostering role. Uh, but he found his way up to the Nationals. I believe he had like three or four saves that year. Um, but the fact that Joe Nathan made it kind of this late in the spring training, you know, didn't like hang him up in mid-March. Um, I just, I just feel like maybe he goes back to Syracuse. Maybe he pitches well for a month, and if they don't trade for David Robertson or something, they have Joe Nathan kind of in their pocket. It just seems like the only veteran there who they'd kind of want to put in that role. Yeah, veterans one thing, but I mean, forty-two years old. I mean, how much does he really have left in a closer role? You got Jonathan Papelbon who. I don't really care for as like a person, but as a pitcher, he's not that bad of a closer. It's not somebody that Washington would really want to welcome back there. But if you have those kind of players still available out there that you can pluck off waivers, why would you even try and take a chance on a 42-year-old Joe Nathan hoping he'd bounce back to form after what he did in 2014? I mean, you got the injuries, you got the age. There's just too many things that I wouldn't want to depend on him. We make a good team. Uh, a yin and yang here. Am I busting your balloon again? <laughs> yeah, of course, man. You're not busting it. You're just pulling it back to earth. 
Uh, you know, when you, you get, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Eric Hosmer. You know, like everyone's talking about the same stuff. We're going to talk about uh, Mike Miner. How about that? How about we take a quick break? We're going to come back. Uh, we're going to get into a little uh, Mike Miner. I want to ask you a couple questions about your column uh, on FantasyAssembly.com. Especially, I thought Joey Ricard mentioning him in there as, as a player to watch was pretty interesting. Um, some other players in there, Jan Gomes, who I've been closely monitoring, was one of your players uh, to watch. Um, Andrew Romine on the Tigers, whose name has popped up a lot for me when I've been doing research and just kind of writing it down. As, you know, just, just a mental note here. He's doing some work in spring training. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll get back to some fun stuff. You listen to FanRag Fantasy Sports. I'm Nando DeFino, tarnishing the legacy of Al Melchior. It's Jim Finch with me. We'll be right back with more after this. Welcome back, everybody. This is the FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Nando DeFino, filling for Al Melchior. Jim Finch here. You can check him out at the Jim Finch on Twitter. Jim, you ready to dig in? You ready to dig into some deeper players here and go a little nuts? Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, you know, I joined. It was uh, at the end of last year. I was given the opportunity to one of my friends to join a thirty-team league, and since then, that's all I've been doing is digging into these deeper players. Where I list some of these guys, and everyone was like, "Who, who is this guy?" and until you get into a league that size, you don't realize how valuable some of these guys can actually be for the deeper leagues. Well, it's, it's almost like you've got a window into, uh, not the future, but, I mean, if you're talking about Joey Ricard, right? To someone listening who's just, you know, looking to hear about uh, Chris Davis, either of the Chris Davises, they're like, who is this Joey Ricard? But in two months when he's, you know, starting outfielder for the Orioles, you're going to remember that, you know, have got all this information here, and you maybe have, maybe have a little head start on everybody else. You recognize the name a little bit. Yeah, I mean, people that are looking, I mean, everyone knows like someone like Ben Revere who can steal like 30, 40 bases and maybe hit you a decent average. Well, Ricard's basically the same kind of player. He's just not that brand name that everybody knows yet. So Joey Ricard, uh, I think what I like most about your argument, what I like to exploit a lot, is when roles aren't settled yet. And that, that kind of, you know, that was my thinking with Nathan. Uh, if you look at the, the Orioles outfield, I mean, there's Hyunsu Kim, who fell out of favor early last year, had a, had a decent little comeback as it, as it rolled around. Um, and Seth Smith, who you just, you're forever platooning, um, kind of old. Uh, you know, Craig Gentry's in the mix. Um, and you know, Trey Mancini, who we'll talk about in a second, has been playing a little bit in the outfield in spring training. But Ricard, I remember this time last year, Rule 5 guy, started uh, seeing his name as someone Buck Walter likes. And I feel like if Buck Walter likes you, you've got a bit of a step up. He seems like a very loyal guy to these players who not a lot of people have, have heard of yet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And not only that, Baltimore's they just seem to have this knack for taking players that, not even major league players, I'm not just talking minors, but they just have a knack for taking these players that nobody really wants or nobody really considers and just turning them into something. I mean, Chris Davis wasn't really anything. He came to Baltimore and all of a sudden turned things around. Trumbo had issues for a few years, came to Baltimore, all of a sudden everyone's talking about Mike Tr- Mark Trumbo again. Joe Ricard could be one of these guys that people aren't looking at now, but in another year they're going to be like, wow, look at this guy. He's got 30-something steals, hits 280-something, leading off of Baltimore, and he could wind up being a third or fourth outfielder in the future. Do you think he could just outright take a starting outfield job, or do you think they've kind of constructed it where, no, we, we kind of like Kim uh, you know, batting the top of the order, we like what he is. 
Uh, we like Smith as just a platoon guy who can hammer um, who can hammer righties. And Ricard's just kind of kind of maybe get his 350 at bats this year. Nothing in big bunches and not really, uh, you know. We're not going to be saying in July, Joey Ricard starting outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. I think we could be. I mean, it will start out with him having to earn his at-bats between those couple guys getting off. I mean, obviously Adam Jones is going to be in there every day, but he's going to get his shots in one of the two fields. And I figure if I, I don't see him not being able to put up a betting, better batting average than both of those guys. So if he's batting like 280, 285, what he put up in the minors, then figure come the end of May, June, you'll see him getting at least 70, 80 at-bats a month. It's pretty good. So he'll be getting the lion's share of it. Yeah. And Trey Mancini, I mean, this is, this is, this is the problem, is you can't like Trey Mancini and Joey... Well, I mean, you can, but it's incredibly hard to like Trey Mancini and Joey Ricard at the same time. Once the Orioles brought back Trumbo, I mean, it looked for a little while, oh, Trey Mancini could get that, you know, that first base DH job, whichever way they decide to go with Davis and Trumbo. Um and then you know you bring back Trumbo, it jams up that spot. Mancini's trying out a little bit in the outfield. Um, I haven't really caught up on reports on how well that's going, but my guess is not wonderfully. Uh, you know, bigger dude, slugger. But you look at his minor league numbers; they're legit, man. He's a couple seasons of twenty home runs, pretty decent batting average. I think he touched three hundred um, at least twice in the minors. His actually his, his overall average might be above three hundred. Uh, so you got power, you've got decent batting average. It just seems to me like Trey Mancini. No one's talking about him, and if something happens to Chris Davis or Mark Trumbo, that guy can just show up and hit 25, 30 home runs. Yeah, I'm just actually pulling up his number right now because he's somebody that I really never even considered at all. I mean, he's hitting, I'm looking, he's hitting, he's hitting 321 this spring, so he's not bad. He had 282 average last year between two stops in the minors. And... Yeah, the power looks all right. Power looks good. Uh, yeah, he's one of those guys. This is why I basically ignore Trey Mancini. I have a tendency <laughs> when it comes to guys when you get a strikeout rate over 25% to just kind of put a red flag on them. And that's one of the things I saw with Mancini. I mean, Davis, yeah, he's got the power, and he figured out how to work with the bad contact, high strikeouts, and actually make a decent living out of it. Then you got guys like Chris Carter that'll hit you like 220, 230. I don't care if the guy's going to hit me 30 home runs. If he's going to have a batting average with contact that bad, I don't want any part of him. And that's one of the reasons I probably overlook Mancini, because I look at the strikeouts and I look at what he could be, and it just kind of scares me. He could be one of those guys that comes up because of that power, but for fantasy, he's one of the players I would probably shy away from because strikeouts and bad batting average that's a bad combination for me I'm gonna by the end of this show Jim I'm gonna find someone that we both like I promise this is gonna happen (laughs) this is gonna happen (laughs) Matt Holliday listen let's let's get off the super deep guys and actually go to someone who who I think is being widely ignored uh, in the fantasy community is Matt Holliday you got him as a player to watch in your article over fantasyassembly.com good numbers this spring it seems like he's healthy the Yankee Stadium will play you know it won't be Colorado for him, uh, and it won't be Yankee Stadium for a lefty for him, but it's still a very friendly venue. Um, looks like he's going to have plenty of playing time. Is, is Matt Holliday someone you've been targeting at all? Or I mean, he's fallen to me, and I'm taking him gladly, but um, it doesn't seem like people are running out. There's no, there's no dude out there on Twitter who's reminding everyone they got to go get Matt Holliday. Yeah, there is. 
That would be me. There you go. And if you look at all the tweets, if you look at all the tweets coming from Greg Jewett from FanRag, every time Holiday does something, he's always sending a tweet reminding me of that. I think he said Al Melkier got him for three or four dollars in their draft auction. He made a point to send that out to me, and he's somebody. <laughs> With the exception of one league, I basically own everywhere, and the only reason I don't own them is it's a 10-team league with three outfielders, and I couldn't make room for him, sadly. But, yeah, he is definitely somebody I'm targeting. I mean, he got, I think he got a bad rap the past couple of years. He's, he's, not, he's not an outfielder anymore. He just doesn't have the body for it. He can't play the field, and that is just played hell on his body, but I think now with a full-time DH role in New York, he can get back to being 270, 275 hitter, 20-plus home runs. Put him in the middle of the order, and you got some good counting stats. You're ruining our over-under game, so (laughs) I just had it all. Well, you said you wanted somebody we both agreed on, so there you go. Now the rest of the show is going downhill. Over-under stolen bases won. You think he'll steal a base? I don't know. I'm just, he's, you know, he's got <laughs> his career's littered with those. You know, he's that dude. The three or four stolen base seasons. Come on, man! Everything I just gave you. Now you want a stolen base? No, out of no it? you're right. I'm sorry, Matt Holland. This is great. I love it. You think he's going to last the whole season? Like, you think he'll get 520 at bats? I think he'll be over 500. That's all you need. That's all you need. Um, tell you what. Let's take a quick break. I want, to, I want to leave this on a high note for right now. <laughs> Going to take a quick break. I want to go through a few more, um, a few more guys from your, your article. Uh, Russell Martin has been a, uh, I don't know, a, a quagmire for me, I guess, over the last few years. And Jan Gomes, uh, just a couple catchers who were, everyone's down on them. I want to know if you're at least a little high. As we come back, Fan Rag Fantasy Sports, Jim Finch, Nana DeFino. We'll be right back with more after this. Yes. Welcome back, everybody. Fan Rag, Fantasy Sports. You're here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Jim Finch, along with Nana Rafino, I'm subbing in for Al Melchior as he flies uh, back to Montana after a big Tau Wars weekend here. Hey, Jim, do you, do you follow Tau at all? I mean, I, I mean, I know everyone who's in Tau likes to think that everyone's hanging on every, uh, every tweet. But do you use that at all to, to inform pricing or what other people are thinking? I look at it just uh, for some of the guys that I know, just to see what they're doing, see some of the players they're drafting. But overall, I don't really follow any other leagues except my own, sorry to say. That's very uh, haughty of you, Jim. Doesn't fit the Jim Finch thing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so don't be using you... words i got to look up. What? <laughs> I said don't be using words i got to look up. <laughs> sorry. We'll dial that back. Um so Jim's got a great article on fantasyassembly.com. I promise it wasn't like I, I went to your Twitter and saw your second tweet was this link, and I'm like, let's just talk about that. I actually went through it, looked at a bunch of players, made some notes. Um, Russell Martin, you basically went through, took a look at everybody's spring training performances so far, who's high, who's low, and then kind of a player to watch who's you know, performing not to expectation, good or bad. Um, Jan Gomes and Russell Martin were two guys you had in there. Uh, Russell Martin, obviously a low. Uh, at the time he wrote, was only batting 130 in spring training. Uh, you kind of told people, don't worry about it. He started off slow. Uh, Jan Gomes, player to watch. Uh, I, I think of Jan Gomes, and I guess maybe I've blocked out the last two seasons 
as still a very good catcher who's just gone through some pretty rough injury spells. Um, first of all, would you rather have Gomes or Martin on your fantasy team? Martin. That was a little not, too quick. Not even question that. <laughs> okay. Are you uh, very, I guess, pessimistic on Gomes returning to his, I don't know, like 2013, 2014 glory? Um, I'm just pessimistic about the catcher category in general. I mean, if you look at the past five years, you got Buster Posey, and then who's two, three, four, and five every year after that? It's a different name every single year. You got new guys that come up out of nowhere. You got players that were supposed to perform that didn't. You got guys that get hurt. So it's just a complete and utter crapshoot. So I basically, when I look at the catcher position, I look for consistency. And guys like Russell Martin and Brian McCann, who everybody shies away from because they hit like 230, 235, I can care less about that because if you look at the runs, RBIs and home runs, these guys are giving you top five, at least top ten numbers in each one of those categories every single year. I mean, if you get 60, 65 runs, 65 RBIs from a catcher, those are top ten numbers. You don't know that. You don't realize that because everyone's expecting 80, 90 from looking at all the other categories. But for a catcher, that's good. And if I can get Russell Martin, who's going to give me top 10, top five numbers in three categories, I don't care if he's going to hit 235. Does Jan Gomes fall into the uh, Yasiel Puig, Jorge Soler category, Jason Hayward category for you of someone like, you know, fine, if you're doing it by the end of May, I'll add you to my team. And then if the bottom starts to fall out, you're, you're gone. Or is he just kind of like on a trash heap because of the injuries and the low performances and maybe maybe 2014 was an outlier? Um, I, don't, I don't think he's on a trash heap. I mean, I put him right there with Devin Masarosco from uh, Cincinnati. There's another guy who's had injuries. He has the upside. The ability is still there. It's just you haven't seen it for a few years. So there's other guys that have moved above him in the pecking order. But until he actually shows that he can do something over a consistent time, not just spring training. He's not somebody I'd look at the draft, but we all know who half of the catchers drafted right now. They're going to wind up on waiver wire probably by June, and he could be one of those guys that you could snatch up, sort of like uh, I think it was Wellington Castillo when he went to Arizona. He wasn't really anything, and all of a sudden he just had that breakout. Gomes could be that same thing. Yeah, you know, when Castillo went there, I'm like, no, you know, there are 14 other catchers in Arizona right now, so there's zero hope. And he kind of rolled with it. Um, at least the one thing I think that Gomes has going for him is that I, th- I think he's almost guaranteed 400 at bats. You know, multi. He could play a little bit here, a little bit there, uh, other positions. Um, and I think he. I just got a feeling that he's going to be good. I might be crazy. Who knows? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call you crazy, but <laughs> thanks, Jim. It's much appreciated. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop there. No. <laughs> So when you started talking about the consistency and, and, you know, this isn't a guy who's exactly in the same group, but I want to put him against Jan Gomes. Jason Castro going over to the Twins. Um, you know, you go back a few years and he was supposed to be something. He was an all-star. Uh, I think it was 2013. Has some power. Hasn't really crested above 500 at-bats. I don't think he's gone over 450 in his career. Maybe he's done it once. Um, but the batting average has been so bad the last few years. And, you know, maybe the chain of scenery is good for him. It looks like he'll get the lion's share of at-bats. Would you rather have Jason Castro as your catcher or Jan Gomes as your catcher? 
Well, we're talking like a 20-team league with two catchers, aren't we? Well, look, if you're playing, uh-huh. if you're like upside like me, and you just wait, 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 and you say you're a 12-team only league with a couple of catchers, um, I, I'd go a buck on Jason. Castro. I might go a couple bucks on Jason Castro. I think he went for multiple dollars in Tout Wars this weekend. Um, it just seems I, I'm trying to figure out: is there still some upside left with a guy like Jason Castro, or is this just who he is now? Two ten, twelve home runs, not even 400 at bats. I mean, I don't count any catcher out. I mean, any of these guys can have a career year at any time, so you don't count him out. He's nobody I would want to draft. I would probably draft Jan Gomes just because even if I get that same 210, 220 average, at least I'm going to have him in there every day is where Jason Castro, if he starts to struggle along, who knows what they'll do with their backup, if they have anything in the minors, who they'll give a shot to in Minnesota to he isn't guaranteed those 400 and 450 at-bats. So I would probably take Gomes just for that reason alone, but honestly, I really wouldn't touch either one of them if I had a choice not to. Uh, I'm sorry, you said Gomes, and that's going to be your soundbite now going forward. Uh, another another guy, one of your highs in the uh, in the spring training article that you wrote, uh, Mitch Hanniger. Got him for 11 bucks in tout. This isn't about me, it's about Mitch. Um Great number. I mean, you, we hear a lot about the Gene Segura. Everyone's worried he's going from Arizona to Seattle, and he's going to see the park effects. Uh, no one seems to be as worried about Mitch Hanniger there. It's, it just seems to me like, all right, Mitch Hanniger is going to be great. People are pegging him for you know twenty twenty guy. Um, but the, I mean, are you at all worried? Is there, or is this someone you're going after? Like Mitch Hanniger is a dude you've got to go get. I don't think he's a guy you have to go get, but he is on such a high right now to where I think I even may. Have- may have even written this that uh he's somebody that i would draft ride the hot streak for the first like month get his value propped up and then maybe try and flip him is i don't know if he can uh if he can sustain this over an entire season yeah he's good but i don't know if he's fully major league ready yet so buy into the hot start if you can get him for cheap enough but try and flip him as well and get some value out of him Jim, are you one of those guys who gets a little worried when these PCL hitters uh, come up and, the, the, you know, the inflated power stats, inflated uh, batting average stats? Or do you kind of just, are we at the point now where it's like, you know, eventually he might just mature in the majors to this point anyway? It depends on the pedigree. I mean, if you got, if he's like a top 10, top 20 prospect and he's in the PCL hitting for power, I'll give him a little bit more leeway, but if he's some guy that just kind of came out of nowhere and starts hitting for power and he's in the PCL, I'm going to probably take that with a grain of salt and not really buy into him until I see it sustained over a certain amount of time. Are you, um, are you at all on, uh, in on Jerickson Profar? Uh, again, another guy who, because you just mentioned something that I do all the time, and I don't know if it's a fault of mine or if, or if maybe we're just soothsayers here, is that you go through Jerickson Profar, you see he's always been on these prospect lists. Same thing with Byron Buxton to, to a different degree, though. I think Profar is an entirely different case. Um, so you know he's got the pedigree. He's had these crazy injuries. I think he's going to get a ton of playing time. It doesn't seem like a lot of people agree with me on that one. Um, but I'm hot on him. And it's one of those things where you look at Mitch Hanniger, he was never on any prospect list. Everyone's going gaga over him. You look at Yerkes Profar, the dude was perennially on these top prospect lists, and he's like an afterthought. Um, is that... Is that kind of a dichotomy in your brain too or is this something that you know you're like oh the people are right profar sucks i think you probably have to we have to go back to uh solar if we're going to talk about profar i mean here's two guys they're both at the same thing 
two different circumstances, but it's the same thing. They're both high price, highly, uh, highly prized prospects when they came up, but all of a sudden, you know, you get injured, you have a few down years, and everyone's looking at you going, yeah, okay, this guy's not going to do anything. That's basically where I would put Profar right now. He has to prove himself again, and he needs to earn the playing time before I would actually like him again. He's, the skills are still there, but until I actually see it over the course of a few months and he's earned the trust of his team to get full-time at-bats, I just don't see it. I was really hoping Ryan Rue would get the first-base job over there in Texas. No dice, though. No, he no. got sent down, and he's one of those guys that wasn't a highly touted prospect, but somebody that I just have this unhealthy fascination with. Well, look, if it's the same thing you go back to. You look at his numbers, you look at the minor league track record. He was good. He had power. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's one of these guys who gets squeezed out. Which I guess is a shame. Who has more bats? You and think that's basically what happened with Profar. Yeah, but I, I think well, Profar versus Baez because these are two guys who I think a lot of the projections this season have them at far too few at bats. Who has more at bats this year, Baez or Profar? Uh, probably Baez. Would you rather have Baez anyway because of the power? Because of the power, the versatility, and I think he is gained a lot more trust from his team than Profar has. Profar is still in that stage to where he shows little flashes, to where Baez, they're willing to give him a little bit of an extension. If he's like slumps down to like 230, 240, they'll give him a chance to work it out, is where Profar, his average starts to tank, and they have a multitude of options there to where they'll be like, all right, you sit on bench for three or four days. By the way, you can follow Jim at the Jim Finch. Uh, why didn't you go real, Jim Finch? Uh, what made you go V? Because I looked up Jim Finch and there were tons of Jim Finches on Twitter. Who knew? So <laughs> I had to pick V Jim Finch. Yeah, I don't. I don't have <laughs> that the problem. First thing that came to my mind, and I stuck with it. <laughs> so going back to Hanniger, Hanniger over Baez. Hmm, that's a tough one. How about this? Let me twist this around. Would you be okay if you just had to start a team, three keepers, Baez, Profar, and Hanniger? Would you be doing backflips? Would you be okay with this? Or would you be like, no, 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 this is not, I can't build a team around these three this season? Yeah, I can't build a team around those three. I can probably build a team around Baez just because I think he has the trade value just for the name and the position eligibility between him and Hanniger. I'd probably take Baez just because I know I can probably flip him faster than I could Hanniger. Hanniger's a name that I could flip after a few months if he puts up good numbers, where Baez is someone that I can turn around and package with somebody now. All right, I got you. The name recognition issue kind of thing? Yeah, it's not. It, it comes down to what can you do for me or what can you get for me. And if you can't do something for me, but I think I can get something for you, then you're another play, you're not, that's another type of player I'd look at. All right, uh, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. I, uh, I know I sent, I sent a bit of a rundown, more like kind of notes uh, to you and Al before the show, and there are two names in there, uh, Mike Miner and Matt Strom, I wanted to get to. Uh, Miner's going to start the season in the bullpen, I believe Strom, I don't know if it's official yet, but I believe the plan is for Strom to start there, uh, much like Danny Duffy did last year. I just kind of want to get uh, Jim's opinion on them. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. FanRag Fantasy Sports, not a Fino Fino for Al Melchior and Jim Finch. We'll be right back after this. 
Welcome back, everybody. Famrag Fantasy. Not in a funeral film for El Melchior. Jim Finch. The Jim Finch on Twitter. As promised, we are going to go very deep into the Kansas City pitching staff right now. Uh, Jim, Mike Miner and Matt Strom. I'm going to assume that you'd rather have Matt Strom if the scenario is presented. Pick one of these two, yes? More than likely, but it doesn't mean I'm not watching Mike Miner. I've liked him since his days at Atlanta, so I'm kind of interested to see if he can come back from the injury and if he can actually come back to what he w- once was. What do you think the chances are of that? I mean, this is like, this is this isn't totally unprecedented. I, we saw Johan Santana kind of try it a few years ago to, with mixed results, uh, mostly bad. Uh, but Miner's looked good, and uh, it seems to, he's fixed. Are you? I mean, what are you willing to? Is he like a forty seventh round pick in a draft champions league to you? Is he? Um, you know, if he comes out firing for the first month and then is part of the rotation and has a good first start, are you immediately adding him? How are you approaching Mike Miner? Um, I'd say twenty team league. Anything more than twenty teams, he should probably be a bench guy. Probably, definitely an end draft guy. I mean. You look at, I mean, everyone puts a lot of doubt on him. you got to look, in 2013, the guy had a 3-2-1 ERA over 200 innings. He had a bad year in 2014, and then he's missed it two years with injuries. So he's never gotten that chance to show that he could actually pitch like the guy that he was in 2013. He had a bad year, and that was it. And three years is a long time in fantasy for anybody to give anybody any kind of a chance. So... He's somebody I'm cautiously optimistic about. I'm not high on him. I don't think he'll make the rotation. If he does, if I have an empty slot on the bottom of my roster, he's somebody that I would probably take a chance on if he has a few good games. But I'm not counting on him. I like him, but I'm not counting on him. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, if, if he falls into the right situation, you're going after him. If he doesn't, wait yeah. and see. More or less. It's basically a wait and see until I see one or two starts from him. If, he, if I see a couple good starts from him, I have, I have a lot of fluidity on the bottom of all my rosters to where any kind of pitcher that shows any signs of life, I will pick up. So Mike Miner would fall into that category. Jim, are you a big waiver wire guy? Are you one of those very, you know, when, you, when it shows you how many moves each team has made, are you like at 46 when everyone else is at 11 and 12? Yeah, I think the one league I was, the Roto League I was in last year, I finished with 267. That's amazing. I'm that guy. That's that's ten. I per live week. on the waiver wire. If you consider twenty six weeks, that's ten per week. That's basically my pitching staff because normally when I draft, I go hitting heavy through the first ten rounds, and I don't usually, on a normal basis, look at a pitcher until at least round eleven. So I'm usually have one or two guys on the top that I can count on. And then I'm streaming, playing guys off the waiver wire, and if you get those occasional hot bats, I'm picking those guys up too, but it's mostly pitchers. What are you targeting? Are you just targeting uh, pitchers who look good? Are, are you saying, you know, if this guy's great, but he is K for nine's like six, it's not going to last? Um, are you, do you go like XFIP, that kind of stuff, or, or is it just, uh, it's just good? I mean, how, how, do you, how do you kind of take a look at a pitcher in the month of April? Usually the first two or three weeks, I don't really put much stock into any kind of pitching that's on the waiver wire. I basically look at them the same way I look at spring training stats. and You can't really get anything out of 
two or three starts. Now, if they put two or three starts together and it's somebody that I look at their minor league numbers and I see some potential there, I might roll the dice on them. If I look at the minor league numbers and I see like an ERA of four and a half, five, and all of a sudden he's putting up good numbers, sort of like everybody in Atlanta staff last year that they brought up, then I'm not looking at him. No. All right. It's basically playing it by ear, just looking at the numbers and flipping a coin almost. Gotcha. What do I think of this guy at the moment? But it's worked so far for you. I mean, churning guys around, I'm assuming you got Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing a show without Melchior, you've had fantasy success, right? Well, I was, I've had my success before I just started doing the show to Al. No, no, no <laughs> knock on him. <laughs> uh, Matt Strom. The other, now, see, I find Strom and Miner to be uh, polar opposites. I, mean, I think Strom is this just fresh face. Strike out a lot of people. Uh, even if he starts as a reliever, I consider that a good thing. They're going to Danny Duffy him, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm guessing. So when September rolls around, you still have a Matt Strom with some innings left in his arm. Whereas Minor, uh, I don't know, man. I was, I was iffy on Minor, you know, back in 2013. Um, are you looking at Strom at all, like as someone you should stash, as someone like a CBS league where his relief pitcher eligibility is going to be worth a ton? Because once he starts starting games, you can plug him in as a reliever? Or is he just kind of, you know, whatever to you? Um, no, he'd definitely be someone I can stash in like a CBS league. Is any kind, anytime you have a starting pitcher eligible reliever, that's, that's just like the greatest player to have in the world when you're in those kind of leagues. But I see opportunity for him to actually join the rotation. I don't see everybody in there staying healthy all year. He should get some sort of shot. And... Between the low walks, high strikeouts, and his minor league numbers, I think he can ha- find a lot of success. The only thing I'd worry about is maybe maybe an innings cap, because he only had a 124 innings last year. He had about 94 the year before, so he's only going to get about maybe 140, 150 innings in this year. So if he starts out in the bullpen, that's even better. If he gets promoted around June, then you got a starting pitcher for the rest of the year. You know, Jim, you said something there that... Uh the starting pitcher's relievers is gold in CBS leagues. Uh, I was looking at, at Trevor Rosenthal a little. This is a 2014 Dynasty League. Um, Scott White from CBS started. Uh, it's, you know, that, that value that they put on the starters or reliever there where you, get, you just get a ton of points, you know, maybe even more than some closers. Uh, do you think Rosenthal is going to be a starter by the time May rolls around? Is I know there was talk of it. Uh, his I think his, his lat muscle injury kind of, off track that and they just put him back in the the middle relief role but he, I mean he, sounded, he wasn't complaining but he definitely sounded like he would prefer to be a starter um, is this something you see happening? Um, it could happen but you know when he first came up he was supposed to be a starter and they put it, forced him into the bullpen role he really didn't want to be there he excelled for a while and then the numbers just started to go down little by little each year to where now he's a three and a half ERA guy as a reliever how is that going to translate over the course of like six or seven innings every five games? I mean, he, yeah, he's got the heat now, but you start stretching him out a little bit, you're going to take a little zip off that fastball. And I don't think if they did move him to a starting role this year, he'd be as effective because he just doesn't have the endurance to go that 160, 180 innings that they're going to need him to go. Right, right. If they, if they play it smart, though, and like, I don't know, stall out his starting until... Uh, let's just say mid-June. Um, so that way you're looking at a guy with maybe 130 innings. Like the second you find out about that, when, when you see Trevor Rosenthal stretching out, um, 
as a note or a headline somewhere, is that the day you go get him? Or are you still going to... I mean, if you play wait and see with Trevor Rosenthal and he goes nuts in his first two starts, you're never going to be able to add him. Is that something where he's so good that you see that he's being stretched out and you're like, now's, now's the time? If I played in a league like the CBS League where they valued things like that, I would. But on a regular head-to-head league, I'd probably probably just treat him like every other pitcher out there. All right. How about Charlie Morton? I mean, there is a chance. I mean, you talk about stretching him out. They could always pull, like, a Chris Young with them and give him the occasional spot start here and there just to get him slowly built up without, like, forcing him right into the rotation. Right. Give him a start here, give him a few days off, put him in the bullpen for a few days, and just let him go back and forth and work his way up. Look, I bet you he would do it because that's what he wants. One of the, please, I want to start, sir. I wonder. Real quick, uh, we got to wrap this up, but I, here's a loaded question. Charlie Morton, are you buying into the sudden 97-mile-per-hour fastball thing, or is this uh, kind of Juan Nicasio 2.0 from last year? Fernando Rodney's throwing 95 miles an hour. Why am I going to buy Charlie Morton at 97? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, you know what? No one is on Rodney. I can't, like... I, I'm getting him so late in so many leagues that it's. I'm like, guys, you know, he's he is the closer right now, and he's had some success. Yeah, he's had some success, but you know what? I've watched him too many games, and here's basically how every game goes down for him. First batter, he's going to give up a hit. You got a man on first. Next set batter, he's either going to get an out or he's going to give up another hit. So you're either going to wind up a one out, man on first. Next batter up, he's going to give up a walk. So you're going to wind up with men on first and second, or second and third. By the time he has one out, with, and you still got two men up, one or two things is going to happen. He's going to give up two more hits. He's going to give up two to three runs. Or he's going to give up one run, crush your ERA, crush your whip, but still get you to save. Or he'll get out of there with a clean inning. I can't stand that kind of reliever because it just gives you a heart attack watching it as a real fan. And if I can't watch it as a fan, I sure as hell don't want that on my fantasy team. Jim, who are you a fan of? I used to be a Mets fan until they traded Scott Cadmier, and that's when I washed my hands of him because oh. they just traded away too many prospects, and now I just follow all teams together. I don't have one particular team that I follow. Well, I guess you're in trouble then. If you can claim many teams, having Fernando Rodney as uh, someone you don't like, he could go anywhere. Uh, we got to go. Jim, this is actually a lot of fun, man. Thanks, dude. Thanks for letting me step in for Al and uh, bring some deep craziness to your life. Yeah, maybe we can do it again sometime. I would like that. Have a good one, everyone. Check out FanRag Fantasy. Check out Jim at the Jim Finch on Twitter. Al will be back. Goodbye.